You said your sister-in-law killed a man and a woman here and cut them up? You said they found hands and feet, but they never found any heads. And we're back. Hi. And we've been recording for three minutes, singing. Yep. You know. This and thatting. You know how we be. Harmonizing. You know how I do. Yeah. Just pooping. <laughs> um, so welcome back. Hi. And we're going to have a two-parter. Yeesh. Yeesh. We're busy next weekend. Yeah. Um, this weekend. Yeah, it's This Halloween. coming weekend. Um. So Holly's not going to have time to write an episode. Yes. So she wrote a little bit longer one, and we're going to hit two-piece, which we've never done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because we normally just do them back-to-back, um, because the only reason we split them up now is because the uh, way we, the the site that we host through, that just doesn't support a larger file. So that's the only reason. But now we're doing a true part one, part two. Yeah, as in one this week, the other next week. Yeah, just because... Um, you know, we got stuff to do. Yeah, and I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Shake it up. Yeah. Change it Shake up. Shake it up. Shake it up. I mean, the only other option was to write two of them in one day, which makes my head hurt and yeah. hand hurt. And also, I've been having that. some carpal tunnel issues. So the less I uh, write, the better. Your hand is messed up. My hand is messed up. Uh, the technical term is claw hand. The claw. Yeah, my uh, my right hand is now a claw-ish shape. All it right. looks like a mouse. Well, let's get it cracking here, Captain Hook. All right, thanks. Episode 127, The Tale of the Toolbox Killings. I know you probably don't remember this story. Toolbox. Toolbox. Um, I know you don't remember this conversation, but when we first started the podcast, um, and I think it was maybe the first time we talked to, um, Aubrey and Michael about it. And she said, Oh, have you done that episode? And I said, no, not yet. And she's like, I'm not sure I can listen to that one. Cause that story is pretty rough. Oh, I do remember her saying that. Yeah. So this is that story. Okay. <laughs> so... Uh, shout out to Aubrey and Michael. Um, so you I'm, were like, rough, huh? How about two episodes? Two episodes. Well, you know, it's it's the second half is the more rough half. The first half is more of the, you know, getting to know half. Oh, okay. So just a forewarning for those up front, if you had issues with like uh, any of the tortury ones... Why are you? Why would you put a disclaimer on it now? We're I'm like not. 127 episodes in. I just because she mentioned in. it, and I this is always as soon as I was like, I mean, obviously I was always going to do it, and but I just wanted to warn her specifically. Oh, okay. Aubrey, that, don't that listen to this one. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but the, if it, you're like her, so you're telling her that's this one. That is this one. You're not telling the well, audience. She knows it just by the name. That, well, I mean, people know what they're coming here for so yeah, it, they know. it's they just know. it makes no sense it's to say just her. you guys ready i just personally know she will not like it kool-aid so. well not cool but we get it go, yeah go ahead go ahead so there's two different guys in this story uh we're gonna talk about old lawrence first so lawrence was born in pittsburgh pennsylvania september 27 1940 to a couple who never intended to have children Quickly, they gave him up for adoption, and Lawrence was taken in by George and uh, Mr. and Mrs. George Bittaker. 
Uh, when I was trying to remember how to say their name, that's why I was saying eat a bite. Bataker. Bataker. Okay. Eat a bite. Eat a bite. Eat a bite. Eat a bite. Uh, so anyway, they uh, adopted him from the orf- orphanage and then gave him their last name. Uh, George worked in aviation, and that resulted in the family moving around a lot, um, living throughout several states in the United States, the um, country. So it also meant that he, Lawrence was left to fend for himself a lot because his mom and dad were off attending like executive shit what's the mom do she's a homemaker but she also does a lot of stuff with him because he's an executive for the company so she's like you know this is the so are they just this is like the 50s so it's like the wife attends all the parties and they have parties every friday but are they so they just have a babysitter yeah all the time until he's like five whatever was acceptable in like the 50s for you to hang out by yourself well think about it do you really think we didn't have babysitters at like eight so in the 50s it was probably like younger than that right say like nine ish yeah ten ish is when you're like you know to keep the door locked dumbass yeah so i'm sure that's what it was uh five seems very young i was making i'd be opening the door for all kinds of people well you know some five-year-olds are smart. I don't know. Um, anyway, probably eight, eight or nine. So also because of all the moving around, Lawrence obviously had trouble making friends. And so he just started uh, committing petty thefts in his crime, in his uh, spare time. And by the age of 19, or excuse me, by the age of 12, he was quickly arrested since he's 12. 12. Yeah. And he goes on to build up quite a record over the next four years. And basically, he said that he did this to try to get the attention. Um, and, you know, you can't really get love from it. But he, he basically wanted the attention that he lacked from from not getting from his parents. Why would you adopt a child if you're both like go-getter like we're you know you have your career because i think I'm at that time it was a circle. thing where you 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 it was like you, an access like an uh, accessory well, an accessory like a little dog exactly a little bit but also i think family. it was uh you were good enough if you went out of your way to adopt it like one it was a thing where like it was weird for a woman not to be a mom That's so I mean. she couldn't give birth then adoption would be the obvious choice. And then you also have the added, like, oh, we did something good for society. We adopted. So it's like a lot of things rolled into one. And I think it was just a, it, a lot of it was, is that parenting at that time wasn't really what we think of now, hmm. which is nurturing, you know, teaching your kid to be a good human. And now it's the hand the knob has been broken off in the other direction yeah well our grandparents and and our parents basically it was like our parents were like on that tail end of that so like my my dad definitely like you know my grandparents were very strict i doubt they showed him our grandparents are our grandparents were figure it out these parents today are let me do it for you (laughs) yeah yeah so it was the opposite it's like you know our parents were like well let's i will be better to our kids because we didn't get that love and like teaching and then we were like well we you know like our the next generation was like well we want to make sure that not only do we 
love our children, but we also teach our children that they can be anything they want to be because that's where we are in life now. And everybody wins, but you lost. Yeah, but you won too. Yeah. But I lost. Yeah, but you're, you won. Because you played. Oh. Yeah. I'm confused. Yeah. So that's obviously a little rant, but that's why I think that, uh, that, that they adopted a child, but then didn't teach him or spend any time with him. Okay. Moving on. So, very smart. Uh, Lawrence had an IQ of 138, but he thought school was tedious, and he just dropped out at the age of 15 in 1957. At the time, the family was living in California, and within a year of quitting school, he was arrested for car theft, hit and run, innovating arrest, and was sent to California Youth Authority. Was where, that all in one swoop? Uh-huh. Okay. Where he remained for the, uh, he remained for the next two years until he was 18. Upon being released, Lawrence uh, Lawrence was informed that his adoptive parents had disowned him and had relocated to another state. Lawrence went on his way, never to see uh, his parents again. Damn, so no real parents. No adoptive parents. No adoptive parents. No friends. Poor kid. No family. Within days of being paroled from the California Youth Authority, he was rearrested for transporting a stolen vehicle across state lines. In August 1959, he was sentenced to 18 months in prison for the crime, but he was released early, within 12 months, though quickly rearrested again, this time in L.A. for robbery, and was given 15 years in prison in May of 1961. Damn. The courts ordered a psych evaluation on him, and the doctors found that Lawrence was, quote, highly highly manipulative and, quote, concealing a considerable amount of hostility. Well... Yeah, he probably is being, um, I guess, probably a bona fide genius. Because you said he had like a 130-something IQ as a kid? Yeah, before 15. That's what he tested at. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and then the obviously the not having any love or affection your entire life. No close relationships. No really human contact outside of, and at this point you've been institutionalized. Did he go to normal school? He public he school? dropped out in, at fifteen, so he yeah, went to public still, school till fifteen. That's a yeah. long time. That's, you're almost done. Like you went to through all of school. Yeah, but so he he didn't. But make he thought it was tedious. One, yeah, but so he probably just didn't pay friend? attention. Well, it doesn't seem like no, because he moved around a lot. Oh shit, that's true. Yeah, so you know they moved so often it was pretty hard for him to make friends that could have made all the difference mm-hmm. you just staying in one spot yeah having one friend would have made a lot At of least. difference i mean because most of the time you, i mean people have friends in school but you normally have one person you bro down with yeah at least one person the most. well i mean that's why you like you find one work friend yeah you find one person at work that you bond with that you're yeah. like we're in this together and that's like-minded yeah it's like oh yeah that dude sucks that dude does suck yeah you you want to get something to eat? Yeah. Talk about how this dude sucks. We just become friends. Yeah. Yeah. She sucks too. She, she just does fucking suck. suck. Oh my god, you're so right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, Lawrence told the doctors that his crimes gave him a feeling of self-importance, and he blamed his environment and upbringing on why he couldn't resist committing these crimes. He was prescribed an antipsychotic drug, and a year later, he was deemed well and ready to rejoin society. A month later, in July 1967, he was, of course, rearrested and convicted of theft in leaving the scene of an accident. He got five years, but of course only did three before being released in April of 1970. How is he always swinging getting out early? 
because this was a time when everyone got out of jail early. But I mean, they still have records. Oh, because so he's like, highly manipulative. Jesus. So he gets in jail and he does really well. And he's like, they're How like, many, oh, but, he's. Yeah, but you, you see the consistencies. Yeah, like, but he's doing petty crime, like a petty theft. Like, I mean, a, a couple hit and runs and car thefts is a little much to be like, oh, you're going to keep getting out of jail. Well, you but look at him. He's like, wow, this guy's like really, really nice. Keeps they also his, have a lot of active clean. killers going on right now. So, you know, a little more important. Uh, that's true. Like, make room. Yeah. This dude took a car and ran it into something. Yeah, pretty much. And then much. ran away. Like, yeah. But that dude, that dude cut a guy's head off. So. Yeah. Well, and clearly jail is not the best place for Lawrence because he's got a, he's got something, he needs to be medicated. So he, for him, a better environment would be not even a mental institution. He just needs to be. House on the Hill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He just needs to. Um, Is that what that movie's called? The one with the mental institution, House on Haunted Hill. House on Haunted Hill. Is that the one yeah. with like the dude gets stabbed in the th- ear with like a pencil or the side of the head with a I bunch of pencils? I don't remember. I eh, think whatever. so. Whatever. Like 2000. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, that's a remake. House on Haunted Hill. I, I know. Yeah, it yeah. was a remake. So that probably is that's it. That's probably I think it, it had Tay Diggs. Shout out Tay Diggs. What's up? Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, I don't know. Isn't that where our, <laughs> Isn't that where our theme comes from? What? It's House on Haunted Hill, Oh, right? shit. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. And they never found the original. any original. They never found any Yeah, heads. that's true. Yeah. Whoa. Yep. It all connects. Yeah. Moving on. Anyway. Ah, uh, ba ba ba. So he gets out a million times. Yeah, um forever getting out. Forever. So he's... I don't remember where I was in this. Sorry, I fucked So I'm up. just going to go back to it. So a month later, so in July 1967, he's arrested again convicted of theft and leaving a scene of an accident gets five years does only three released in april 1970 year later he's arrested again for robbery this time due to repeated parole violations he's sentenced to six months to 15 years but again within three years he was released uh in 1974 Go ahead. I'm not going to stop the story again, but Jesus Christ. I know, seriously. In 1974, he upped his crimes from robbery and grand theft auto to assault with an a, with an attempt to commit murder. Oh. Quite a How jump. do you know that? How, that like, it was an like, attempt to commit murder? Yeah. Okay, the next sentence. Oh, okay. He tried to stab a supermarket employee who accused him of stealing. The employee said that he watched Lawrence steal the steak and walk out the front door he followed him into the parking lot where the boy asked Lawrence, hey, did you forget to pay? Instead of responding, Lawrence just turned around and stabbed at the boy's chest, just barely missing his heart. <gasps> Lawrence attempted to run away, but was caught by two witnesses and held until authorities came. The boy, this guy named Gary, survived the stabbing, and Lawrence was ultimately convicted of assault with a deadly weapon and sent to prison again. Oh, poor Gary. Yeah. You have that shitty ass job. Yes. And then you get stabbed. And all you're trying to do is like, oh, I'll, I'll go see if he meant to take that steak. Yeah. And now you are stabbed in the chest. Yeah. So again, Lawrence is evaluated. This time the doctor says he's a classic psychopath with the second doctor saying, no, 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 no. He's a sophisticated. Um, so excuse me. The first one said he was a classic sociopath. The second doctor said, no, he's a sophisticated psychopath. So, 
Nowadays, that doesn't really matter because those terms aren't used anymore. They simply fall under the antisocial personality disorder category because they're so close. The like traits are slightly different. So they don't call people psychopaths? Anymore? No, they don't classify it. They just say you have an antisocial personality disorder. So that's a terrible name for what because it's they... a spectrum. They're basically saying that there's an anti-personality spectrum and that you fall somewhere on it, but it's hard to judge. And this is why. So the biggest difference between a psychopath and a sociopath is that psychopaths don't have a conscious conscious, though they pretend to, and they will act normal so they're not found out. So they won't, they don't feel guilty. But they'll, but but they'll they, pretend. they understand what guilt is. Exactly. So they can they can make it out. A sociopath typically has a conscious. But no It's weak. Just no empathy. No. What there see that that's the that's one of the ones that's more hairy. Specifically, it's about psychopaths they don't feel guilt and they'll pretend like they do to manipulate you. Manipulate mm-hmm. you sociopaths have they feel guilt but it's weak enough that it doesn't make them stop their behavior Mm -hmm. so that's the difference is that one doesn't have any issues with guilt and will pretend one is a weaker version of the other one that's why they don't use those terms anymore because it's like you can be a sociopath and become a psychopath i don't know if you can go the other way yeah like like slow like like the grinch like yeah, slowly like if you, start to if, care. yeah, like, yeah, I don't like, wait, know. What's, I mean, maybe with medicine. And I care. And I care, but I would assume. What's the deal? I would assume then that falls back to if, probably not, because that falls back to you no longer have an illness. It goes back to a disorder because it's not interrupting your life. Hmm. So as long as you're medicated, you don't have the illness, you have a disorder. So I don't think you could go back. You wouldn't grow a heart. You would just be more level. Okay. Who knows? Moving on. So, that, but that's the point is they keep arguing about what, what he is. And it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Either way, he has an anti-personality, anti yeah. uh, anti-social personality disorder. Either way, he sucks. Yeah. While in prison at the California men's colony, Lawrence met Roy Norris. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After about one year of Roy Roy being in the prison. So Roy Norris. <laughs> Lawrence's initial impression of Roy was that he was savvy and largely associated with hardened criminals and was part of the rack dealing, uh, the, the, the um, group dealing drugs in the prison. Did he know karate? <coughs> of course. Did he do karate with cowboy boots and jeans on? I hope so. Okay, probably did. Moving on. Yeah. So because of this, Lawrence didn't really want anything to do with Roy, but eventually they warmed, uh, They he warmed to him after Roy taught Lawrence how to make jewelry. Jewelry? Yeah. Out of? Well, I don't know. They're in jail together? Yeah. What are you making? Like fucking boogers and shit? What are you making jewelry out of? Books? I think they have arts and craft time. But doesn't that involve like, what kind of, are they using like those Fisher Price <laughs> uh, scissors? I hope so. Like these like big ass 300 pound dudes with like can't fit their fat fucking fingers in the little pink scissors. <laughs> you know, the scissors like you can't cut yourself with. <laughs> I know. What you're I would assume that's what they have. And then you like hold one of the guards up with it. Like, you don't move, motherfucker. <laughs> I will fish surprise, a, I will, motherfucker. Surprise, motherfucker. Some fries. <laughs> I will fish a price. 
fresh pass, motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. All right, so that did happen. So <laughs> go ahead. So Roy is eight years younger than Lawrence. He was born in Colorado in 1948, conceived out of wedlock. His parents got married to avoid all of the social stigmas around having a bastard child. Um, the young family lived on the in-laws' lands, so his or the in-law land. It was only a land. bastard because or quote bastard because they weren't married they weren't married that's what bastard means oh, i thought i thought it meant you didn't know your hmm. no 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 hold on what really yeah bastard just means that your parents aren't married ah i don't think i've ever known the proper, <laughs> proper like, didn't know what it meant yeah 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 unless i'm wrong but I i'm pretty sure that's you the like deal. you don't know your know mother who your your parents your were parents was. no no, I think that's like just John not knowing. Snow. No, I know. I'm a bust. I'm a bastard. No, well, that's the thing is like he announces that he's a bastard because at that time you have to like, it, especially because he lives with the family. Going back to Game of Thrones all, all right, the time. Right, yeah, yeah, we got to move on. Because he lives with the family, he has to announce. It's like if it would be like uh, if, you know, because I have a stepmother. It'd be like if Tracy's like, you have to tell them I'm your stepmother. It'd be like, this is my stepmother. Stepmother. <laughs> Stepmother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the official term. That's all. Okay. Anyway. Um, he's a bastard. He's a bastard. So the, they lived on the in-law land. So he was surrounded by family, but because his father worked long hours at a scrapyard to provide for the family and his mother had become a drug addicted housewife that didn't really do much what and drug? couldn't keep a jo- uh, job, probably at that time as a woman. Uh, like Benny's, like oh. Benzos or something, because okay. she more than likely was probably pregnancy related. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, but typically pain painkillers for women. That's always been a thing for women is is pills. She a pale head. She, it's I mean pills. Yeah. yeah. Um, pills or alcohol. Um, wine. Wine it up at yep. home all day. Wine it up. So either way, he was in foster care a lot. Okay. Because the grandparents were like, well, we're not taking care of you. And his parents were young and didn't, you know, clearly weren't ready, prepared to have a family because they weren't married. So it was one of those things where adoption would have probably been better because he was already put in foster care all the time anyway. And then just pulled in and out of his, his family's life. So he said that his recollections from childhood were just flashes of wrongful accusations from his biological parents, neglect from foster parents, a mixture of frequent denial of food, clothing, and love. He said that there were also instances of sexual abuse, specifically at the hands of a Hispanic family that fostered him, which drove him to have a strong prejudice towards Hispanic people in his adult life. Okay. No confirmation that's true. This is a story from his mouth. At the age of 16, Roy was living with his birth parents. He went home to visit the, uh, he went um, to visit the home of a family. Like, So hold on. He was in fo- different foster homes? He was in and out of foster homes. But now he's with his birth family. He was back and forth between his parents' house, foster homes, parents, Why? fosters. Because I just said his parents didn't take care of him. Yeah, but like, they didn't why have would you, anyone to take care but of. But how would you come like, hey, we got a little money. We can feed you. Come on back for a week or two. Yeah. Like that's literally what yeah. happened? Yeah. I mean, that's happened in other stories too. Yeah. 
people are just like are ready to recall their kids and you go you just, you, you just put them you put them into foster care when things get hard dude yeah that has to fuck a child up. Yeah. Oh my. Why do you think God. there were so many fucking accordion back between like between your actual home and, and and while you're there you're like, "Oh, they don't really give a shit about me cuz I'm probably going to be out of here in 2 or 3 weeks." Yeah. And then I'll be back. Yeah, you're a nuisance while you're there. I got paid, come on back. Yeah. Like all they're right, all like, money, I miss you, you my, I miss him, but then when you're there they just beat the shit out of you and verbally abuse you. Good God. Yep. Poor poor kid yep so at the age of 16 he was living with his birth parents he went to visit the home of family friends or uh of of extended family uh which included um a 20 year old female cousin so his he went probably to see his like aunt and uncle and living there was their 20 year old daughter so while there he began making sexual advances to her which of course she re- uh, rebuked and told him to leave the house and then she called Roy's parents upon threatening um to beat his ass Roy just left the house stole his father's car drove into the Rocky Mountains once deep in the woods he attempted suicide by injecting pure air into an artery in his arm but it didn't work. Oh, wow. So he just had a, a an empty syringe? Yep. And just, oh my God, I've never heard of anyone even tr- like well, trying apparently, that. Well, apparently, I think people have tried it, but apparently it's really, you have to have a specific amount and you you have, it changes based on the oh, area that you like use. It gives me chills thinking about trying that. Well, and it's such a my crazy, God. like it. You're giving yourself an air embolism to cause a heart attack. Like, that's a pretty painful way to die. Right? Like. Right? I don't. Just get a gun. What are we doing? That's a terrible way of dying. You want to feel. Like, I like I get it. Having the. 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 the Mentality. Extreme depression. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And being like, I'm ending this. This sucks. But you. Because. You want to end it because it. Your life hurts. So you want to go through. The- extreme pain i mean that's why you out? you see so many people take pills and drink and try to fall asleep and yeah wouldn't you want to ease out of the yeah what you're what you think is like the wor- well to you could be the worst pain ever yeah what yeah. A we- yeah weird weird way to do it i like looked it up i was like uh, i don't know if this is a weird thing to google or not but like <laughs> does does this actually work well, and then I mean, I, isn't that why they flick yeah so because it does it will cause you to have an air embolism. because as you're inserting yeah something if there's like an air bubble or it yeah it, it will kill you oh, okay but that's it's like terrifying really that tiny just like bloop, yeah but i think that's the point dead. is what they're saying is that people think it's a bloop, but it's actually like you have to have it in the specific it's like one you have to have a specific amount of air and be in that specific area that Ugh. that amount of air will work. So like this vein in your arm is going to be different than the one in your neck, than you know, the one in your, el- whatever the fucking arteries are. I don't know. Okay. Definitely not a doctor. Um, either way, he was found later, returned to his parents who drove the nail deeper when they sat him and his younger sister down and explained, hey, uh, just a couple things for you guys. You're both unwanted. You were a strain on our relationship, and we will be getting a divorce as soon as you both reach uh, adolescence. How could you become such an absolute garbage person? I don't know. Like I don't people know. together. Uh, I, I just, what the fuck? Yeah. How could you say that 
to someone that you made. Yeah. Well, I don't if you know. fucking hate us so much, why, why did you make us? Yep. You cunts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's like you're the one that produced me, and mm-hmm. now you fucking hate me. Mm-hmm. Go kill yourself. Yeah. Please. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand. I. I agree. I you're just don't understand why. Worst. And I guess it's because again, it's like life with at that time was like, oh, you have to have a child because that's what you do. But it's like, that's why it's like now it's like, uh, like when people are like, why don't you guys have kids? And it's like, cause we like, we're not ready to center our lives around them. And why would I bring a child into this world if I'm not ready to give it everything? Yeah. It seems like most people our age with a kids are like, we really, really wanted kids. Like that's the thing we wanted now. Yeah. Or we really, really fucked up one yeah. night. Yeah. And uh, now we have this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... You, you, well, this doesn't matter. On, onward. Either way. <laughs> so parents divorced. Um, he he was like... Or he, they said they were going to divorce. Instead of uh, dealing with this shit, he just left the house. He was like, all right. How old is he? At this point, he's like 18 Okay. Somebody told him that his parents told him that at 18. No, they told him at like 16, 17. That's old enough too for me to tell them to fuck off. Yeah. So he res- he he just leaves and he goes and joins the Navy. He's stationed in San Diego in 1965 where he was until his deployment to Vietnam in 1969. He spent four months overseas but did not see any active combat and was honorably discharged after one tour at the age of 22. Um, it says that he was dishonorably discharged after one tour at the age of 22, like I just read. But then it goes on to say that he was, um, officially released later. I thought that the dis- dishonorably discharge was the release, but maybe it was from active service. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I, so I was under the impression that you were just donezo. I thought so too. At that point. So, but, but yeah, maybe not. I just wanted to. Uh, bring that up because I felt like it was a contradiction, but I couldn't find anything that negated that that could happen. So anyway, uh, that year Roy was arrested for his first known offense, which was sexual in nature. He was charged with both rape and assault. Sexual unnature in nature. In nature, he was charged with both rape and assault. And it so that that was one charge. He was also charged with an attempt to commit rape in. These were two separate incidents. So two separate women. Mm-hmm. One was rape and assault, and the other one was an attempt to commit rape. So three months later, in February 1970, he was tried, um, or he tried to deceive a woman by allowing him to enter her house. She continuously refused to, so he attempted to just break in. She was like, yeah, you can't come in, you can't come in, come in. And so he's like, oh, I'll just break in. Um, but she had already called the police and they arrested him before he could actually get into the house. Damn. Yeah. So three months later, Roy was sent to um, the military psychologist and diagnosed with a severe schizoid. Uh, yeah, schizoid personality. So this is not schizophrenia. What's schizoid? I'm about to tell you. So it's a personality disorder characterized by lack of interest in social relationships, a tendency to live a social a so- solo sheltered life, um, being secretive, emotional coldness, detachment, and apathy. So they said that many have an external in- 
internal fantasy world and um, that it could cause the affected to feel like they're observers of life instead of being part of life. So these are people who like don't really feel like they're part of normal life. You're not going to... F- in real you're not, world. You're not going to ever feel that sense of community. Yeah, no. You you will never... Yeah, there's community, nothing... You feel no connection to nothing. anyone because you feel like you're on almost on a different plane. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're here, but in. you're not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> you're everywhere, but nowhere. Look that at kind me, of but hear him. <laughs> yeah. But hear no one. <clears throat> Listen to my words. <laughs> <laughs> so officially, he was given administrative discharge from the Navy under psychological problems so that he wouldn't be called back into duty for any reason ever. So I guess maybe that's where the second discharge came from. Is that they're like, hey, just so you know, if we ever have a draft or anything or anything, really, you never oh, come back. Oh, we double down on him. Uh, that's a double negative. That's a, that's going to be a no. Mm-hmm. That's a hard no for us. Hard even no. Even if we are calling people back. Yeah. Um, last one. Call all the women and children first. Mm-hmm. So officially, oh, I already said that. Um, that May, he was um, out on bail for an attempted break-in that he had... Uh, <laughs> That he had racked and while out on bail, he uh, attacked a female student who he had been stalking on campus at San Diego State University. He repeatedly struck her in the back of the head until she slumped and then he would he beat her head on the sidewalk while kneeling on her lower back. What is this? Why? What is, what is this doing for you? He he well, we'll talk about it in a minute. We'll get there. He was caught and charged with assault with a deadly weapon, given five years imprisonment, and classified as a mentally disordered, a mentally disordered sex offender. What was the weapon? Uh, I thought he was just hitting. The sidewalk or whatever he hit her with, probably. Oh, okay. It said that he hit her in the. He struck her in the back of the head. Oh, I thought he was just punching her. Uh, but he he had something. I would assume he had okay. something. Yeah. In nineteen. 19- 1975, he was released with five years probation, given an all clear after um, the doctor said that he was no further danger to anyone. Oh, we fixed that. That, you, that whole thing where, um, where he beat that girl in the back of the head and then beat her on the sidewalk. That's, see, that's all fixed now. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Three months later, Roy approached a 27-year-old woman who was walking home, offered her a ride on his motorcycle. She declined, so he parked the bike, grabbed her scarf, twisted it around her neck, before telling her that he was going to rape her there and then, dragging her into the bushes. Fearing her life, the woman submitted and did not resist as Roy raped her. Afterwards, he left her there, and she reported the rape to the police, thinking they're never going to find him. However, a month later, she saw his motorcycle again, noted the license plate, and gave it to the cops. Roy was arrested for the rape, convicted of the crime next year, and sent to the California men's colony where our story truly begins, which is again with the meeting of Lawrence and Roy. According to Roy, after meeting and becoming friends, Lawrence saved Roy twice from being attacked by fellow inmates on two separate occasions. And between that and the shared common interest of all things sexually violent and misogynistic, Roy told Lawrence that his biggest turn on was the sight of a frightened young young woman, which was the primary reason for his sexual offenses. So the reason he beat her in the head was he just liked seeing her horrified horrified and like why are you doing this lovely yeah 
Lawrence told Roy that if he ever raped a woman, he would definitely kill her because he didn't want to leave a witness to report the crime. Roy said that? Lawrence said that. Oh, he said that to him. Okay. So Lawrence, again, has never been sexual in his nature. He has uh, an attempted murder charge uh, that he almost got. Yeah. Yeah, over a stake, but he's never um, he's never been sexual. But all of Roy's have been sexual, mm-hmm. so obviously not a good pair. You have one who's willing to murder for a stake, and one who likes to torment and rape. Yeah, yeah, great best friends, great duo here. So, uh, <clears throat> the two begin discussing regularly. Um, assault and murdering teenage girls once they're free and the two shared a fantasy in which they would murder one girl from each age between 13 and 19. Growing closer and closer together they made a pact to become reacquainted upon release and to fulfill their fantasy. Awesome. Let's go ahead and get both of them out of there a little early. Of course. They've been chilling. Lawrence was released in October 1978, returned to L.A. and worked as a machinist, earning around $1,000 a week. Though still a loner, he was reported... That's a shitload of money. I know. What? I read that, too. I was what like, holy skills shit. skills does he... Where did he get skills? I guess in, in prison. A That's machinist? so much fucking money in 1978. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of money now. That's $1,000 a week? That's what I mean. Yeah. That's a fuckload of money back then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So he's reportedly friendly to neighbors, earning a reputation as a generous and helpful individual who occasionally donated his money to the Salvation Army and also handed out fast food to the homeless lining the streets of downtown LA. Who's doing this? Lawrence. What? Yeah. Why? You're trying to like build up a well, bunch of brownie points so then you can go <laughs> murder someone? It seems like he, you know, he did... This is where you go back to the, is he a psychopath? Is he a sociopath? Well, you sociopath. should be happy. You're it making, seems like he has a bit of empathy for these people. You're making $1,000 yeah. a week in 1978. You have you know what jail or prison and is like. You get Mickey D's and you get Mickey D's. Every, yeah. Check out on your seat. <laughs> oh, you motherfuckers got some Mickey D's. Mm-hmm. QPs with cheese for everybody. <laughs> Got those spicy nugs. And the large fry. (laughs) So uh, he was also popular among the local teens, probably because he supplied them with beer and weed. Oh, hold on. So he's giving like all, he's giving like old people McDonald's. You say elderly? Uh, Homeless. I might have made that up. Okay. Homeless is what I heard. I think you went with just the (laughs) like. Oh, attention, old people! <laughs> Everybody's getting some fucking McDonald's today. No, hold on, you're so, paying for my forty cent coffee. Uh, make it a uh, Ed McMuffin, <laughs> uh, sausage McMuffin, sausage McMuffin. Yeah. He, he, he. Um, so he does that for the homeless, mm-hmm. but then for the children, <laughs> he treats sell- them to beer and weed. Beer and weed. Yeah. He also lives in a motel, so his place kind of becomes the like social gathering for the youth in the neighborhood. Awesome. He's like he's like the cool uncle. It's three knocks. <laughs> three knocks get you in. So within three months of Lawrence getting out, Roy is also released. He moves to his mother's home, finds work as an electrician in Compton. And a couple weeks later, he receives a letter from Lawrence say, Hey, come to the hotel when you get settled and we'll move forward with our plan. I got plenty of weed and McDonald's over here. Come on down. <laughs> three knocks to get in. Three knocks. <laughs> Knock three times 
Uh, so they first um, decided, hey, we need a van over a car. It's just the conversation we're having right now. A uh, van over a car for different reasons. DJ equipment. <laughs> um, they said that uh, they needed it for, obviously, you can't. Massive amounts of McDonald's. Yeah. 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 You can't carry that much McDonald's this is very, in a car. This is obvious. The two combined it. They combined their funds and they bought a windowless silver 1977 GMC cargo van. That is not a rape van so that's good yeah not at all in february of 1979 so they bought a two-year-old van you guys raping people no it's uh uh solving mysteries yep we're gonna be we're gonna be uh you know going around just solving solving mysteries they did nickname it murder mac don't need windows uh to solve mysteries so no quit uh quit questioning yeah we gotta solve mysteries back here so they specifically bought this vehicle because of the side door which slid open and would not need to be open fully to fit someone through perfect yep glad we thought this out Uh uh-huh again the van was nicknamed murder mac and immediately they took test runs with the vehicle to ensure that any plan they put into action would work are you standing on the side of the road I'm going to drive by and scoop you up, and then you can scoop me up. Pretty much. We'll see how little of the door we have to keep open. Yeah. So over the next four months, the pair would pick up over 20 female hitchhikers, though none of them would be assaulted or attacked. What? The girl, they used the girls as practice runs to develop ruses to get the women into the van voluntarily. So how can we get you to just like, hey, you want a ride? No, I don't need one. You I want mean, some not, weed? No, I don't want... I didn't want anything bad to happen to these women but it's just why would you do that much of a test run i feel like oh oh this trying to like, get away with it we've for a very like, long time that's what they're like trying to do two or three this has worked yeah why don't we give it about 18 more test runs well ed kemper did a shit ton of test runs too like i think one it's um one, it's probably a uh, working up to actually... Oh, building up to... Getting the balls to do it. But the one's already done it. Uh, Unless they're talking about, like, going to the next, like... I mean, like, they are. Cutting they're talking about... Off and, and I mean, he raping. said, like, Lauren said, like, if I'm raping a girl, she's dying. Oh, shit, that's true. So, I, I guess that is true. They're like, A, it's, oh, let's see how many different ways we... Can, or what really works well mm-hmm. to get girls in here. And yeah. then also every time they're like... I think I'm almost ready to do it. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm almost ready. Yeah. Yikes. Yep. So, um, they, yeah, so they developed, uh, you know, just how to get the women into the vehicle. They also scouted secluded locations, um, one of which was a fire road in the San, uh, San Gab, um, Oh my God, San Gabriel Mountains, where they broke a locked gate with a crowbar and replaced the lock on the the gate with their own so that they could get in and out. Mm-hmm. So after months of planning, they were finally ready to move forward with their plan. On July, uh, excuse me, on June 24th, 1979, Lawrence and Roy finished the construction of the bed in the rear of the van, beneath which they had a spot for tools, clothes, and a cooler, which included beer and soft drinks. Well, you need that. Yep. At 11 a.m., they drove to the beach, drank and smoked some weed, flirted with a bunch of girls that walked past, had no set routine, no plans for the day. The only thing that they had to do was find a potential victim. Don't you hate when evil people smoke weed? Yeah. Like, what do you? What happens off. when you get high? Are you like, oh, instead of being like, I want to be evil. Oh, my God. I just want to hug the shit out of you and then probably eat something. 
maybe a little little salt yeah little, little sweet yeah um Ooh. but you're like what had. do you guys do when you get all hot you don't get like happy and like oh this is just so the, the fucking breeze feels awesome you're like this is gonna be sweet to rape somebody soon yeah i feel so mellow i'm uh, just like i could I could just rape the shit out of somebody. Yeah, it's not nice. What the fuck? It's, it's like you shouldn't even be allowed to have it. No, no. Like no, no, no. Here, no, no, no. This you is not for you. M- like malt liquor in a plastic bottle and some like heroin. That, that's and what mess. you get. You sack of shit. Yeah. You don't get nice things no. like this. No. Because you don't use them properly. No. I just don't understand. No, it is weird because it really does seem like maybe it's because the weed back then wasn't that great so maybe it just didn't mellow them that well well but it's yeah fuck these guys yeah go ahead you're right go ahead i don't like i don't like that evil people smoke weed right mm-hmm evil uh lucinda shafe uh lucinda lynn shafer she was 16 years old she was last seen leaving her church after a meeting that evening. Again, this is June 24th. It was around 7.46 p.m. when she was spotted by Lawrence and Roy walking down a side street. The pair attempted to entice her into the van by offering a lift home and then weed, but she refused both. Eventually, the two just drove ahead of her and parked alongside the road with Lawrence exiting the vehicle um, and opening the side door and kind of just like walking back in and at the same time Roy kind of just like he gets out of the side of the van and like leans into this that side door so his like shoulders and head is concealed so she sees one of them get out open the door look like it shuts and then go back and then the other one get out and kind of like lean in that door or whatever so she sees this and it's one of those things where it's like well I have to walk past them kind of the option So she goes to hurry past them. And when she hurries past them, Roy says something to her. She hesitates and turns to him to like question what he said. And he grabs her, pulls her into the van. And they take off. Christ. So she gets, they're in the van. As soon as they're in the van, Lawrence, um, who's of course driving, he turns up the radio to full volume while Roy bounds Lucinda's arms and legs before gagging her with duct tape. My God, how horrifying would this shit be? Oh my God. So fucking, like you are, like it is one second and then the next second you are in an entirely different world. Oh yeah. I mean, you're walking down the street. Oh yeah. I, I just, I, Yeah. I couldn't imagine. Jesus. Which is why this, I mean, obviously all stories are hard, but this is like one, yeah, it's one of those where you have, you have zero control over the situation. Oh. So, um, they drive off. Lawrence cranks up the radio. They drive to the fire road up in the mountains. Listen to, she quickly goes from screaming and frantic to composed and controlled. She basically fully accepts the condition in the situation she's in. Roy said that she shed no tears. She offered no resistance and expressed no great concern for her safety as though she knew what was coming. She also kind of took away their yeah. fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what you want. You want her to be scared. <laughs> yep. But honestly, you like it gets worse and worse. So you're like, oh, I don't want to be going in this van. I'm crying. Oh, I don't want you to be tying me up. I'm crying. And it's like, oh, None ultimately, I don't really want to die. Yeah. So I'm just going to sit here. And comply. Jesus. Yeah. So once beyond the locked gate, Roy instructed Lawrence to take a walk, be back in an hour. Then he raped Lucinda repeatedly. 
During the second act, she asked if he intended to kill her, and Roy said no. And she said, well, if you change your plans, could you please allow me time to pray? That's the only mercy I'm asking for. So, of course, um, uh, it's, sorry, I was just trying to read what I wrote here. Um, eventually she basically, they're both like, oh, well, she definitely, like, the whole point was she was going to die. Like, she, they lied to her, they're fucking with her or whatever. So, finally, when she realizes this, she says, hey, can I please just have one second to pray? Of course, that's denied. She's eventually strangled um, by Roy for about 45 seconds with just hands. But he didn't like the disturbed look in her eyes because he was, of course, looking directly in, into her face what when were he was you doing expecting? it. What were you expecting and hoping for I out of know. you strangling the life out of someone? Whatever, whatever look she gave him, it caused him to run to the front of the van and vomit, which caused Lawrence to have to take over the strangulation. And he held on to Lucinda um, again manually before she, until she started convulsing. When she started convulsing, he grabbed a wire coat hanger, twisted it around her neck, grabbed a pair of pliers, and tightened it until her body stopped moving. They then wrapped her in plastic, uh, in a plastic shower curtain, threw the body over a steep canyon, thinking the animals will eat her up and no evidence will be left. And we have this whole story because obviously they told it at some point yeah so we don't even know if that's true no okay but awesome yeah i mean that some of the evidence points to this being true y- yeah yeah so that is the end of part one. Oh fuck well that's a good that's a good stopping point yeah that we're got in- me very like i would I, I assume you were gonna like get just into the shit and then stop it yeah. so that's good yeah all right yeah well we'll do uh we'll do number two two next week no well, well, well we'll record we're gonna it do earlier. it tomorrow yeah uh so the story's fresh in both of our heads yeah um but we will be putting it out that second episode out next, next week. week so i hope you enjoyed this mm-hmm. and um if you're not familiar with the story don't get excited and look it up just try to contain yourself until next week another reason why I think we decided to do part one and part two at the same time before. But just this uh, week, it works out. We'll see how it goes. fine. I mean, I, I don't think, even though people are interested in true crime and shit, I mean, and obviously a lot of, like, some people do, yeah. like, just research it and shit. But I think a lot of people that enjoy podcasts, it's like, that's the extent of what they enjoy. Yeah. Well, like this is one of those stories podcast, that... But um, I'm not Googling this shit. Yeah, this is one of those stories that Wiki's not really going to give you... Like, a quick overview is not really going to give you exactly what happened. Well, I mean, even if people look it up and see what happens, if they're interested, they're still probably going to want to hear your... Your reaction to it. That's what they're going to want. Me, my reaction? I, I, I'm well, interested I would to know also, what your reaction is once we get well, further Well, I would they this. come for uh, your research and storytelling and then my reaction yeah. i mean that's obviously in the nutshell what what this the, the show is podcast is <laughs> yeah. but i, I would I'm, I'm saying even if they did look this up because yeah. they couldn't wait to know what happened or how it ended they'll, like, still listen. they'll probably still listen yeah please come back please don't leave no i don't think they will um don't be mad at the two-parter no no uh we're, we're, it's we're better gonna than try nothing it. yeah agreed it's better than us saying eh, no podcast this week folks yeah exactly so um so we will see you at part two you guys have an awesome awesome halloween yeah i realize that's 
not the easiest to have right now, but you know. But you know what? Do it anyway. I, honestly, like take just take the evening off of life and just enjoy dude, like, the night. Go buy. Turn your phone off. If you're like a couple, and you got nothing going on, dress up as something stupid. Yeah. You guys both go to the store. Get the get for the fucking candy that you like. <laughs> one of those fat ass bags mm-hmm. and come home yeah have some beers watch, watch some movies watch hocus pocus our, or fucking halloween or ernest scared or stupid ernest scared stupid or scream oh there was a movie i was thinking oh um you know what's a great halloween movie and it's not a it's not set in halloween but it's a great halloween movie hmm. uh Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh yeah, yeah. Super I saw good. Um, somebody had put a clip of it up on Instagram where yeah. they're like, first, they're like, oh, they couldn't come inside unless you invited them. She's like, why'd you invite them in? Well, they're seniors. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's like a really good movie to watch. Such on Halloween. a good movie. Was it Jared the other day? I think it was that he told Cat because he was talking shit about sabrina and he was like we don't need the, we don't need your shitty new age sabrina like i already have the mm-hmm. the movie the show yeah. and the movie <laughs> i want my melissa joan hart and that horrible looking cat talking <laughs> salem well i know his name is salem oh, but i mean like, like yeah no it's bad no the whatever it is like a puppet or whatever they use oh but i love how bad it looks oh, like it, on the show because well, it's, it's so exactly good. the age of the show Ugh. Yeah. and the voice I can't remember who can't does remember the voices dude. it. Yeah, but yeah. he's voiced a bunch of other yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, check those out. Also, yeah. we need to watch Ernest Scared Stupid because we're getting close. We can. And we have also, uh, my mom married a vampire. Is that what it's oh, called? Yeah. Or is dating a vampire or um, something like that? My mom, my mom's dating a vampire. I actually got the one, the one chick from Sabrina in it. Yeah. She's the mom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. younger looking And one. also, um, yeah, I can't remember... The other I think there's somebody else in it that we know. Yeah, but it doesn't um, matter. Yeppers. So even yeah, I'm just saying. Halloween it. Town. If you're only playing, if you're only. Pl- if Daniel you're- just watched all of the Halloween Towns. No, I only watched two. I never finished them. Okay, well you watched two of them. We gotta watch Hollow Halloween High. Town High and Return to Halloween Town. Yeah. It's gonna lose its um appeal once we hit November. So I should probably jump yeah. on it quick if I'm going to. Yeah, I don't think you will. But um yeah yeah I hope everyone has a sweet Halloween if you have like a little get together I hope nobody's sick yeah I hope you can just go have fun and eat orange Candy. cupcakes and just yeah Pumpkin not worry something. about shit yeah maybe yeah maybe you get lucky and get like a little spider ring on top of your cupcake or I hope like so. a ghost or something a ghost a ghost yeah oh what would a ghost be in a fridge <laughs> all right folks. Stay safe out there. Enjoy the candy. And we'll see you, we'll see you at the next one. Bye. Peace out now. Bye.